The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down At the big lake they call Gitchagumi The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead When the skies of November turn gloomy With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more Than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty You know... That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed When the gales of November came early there are certain people who feel that this particular song, oh, they think it's like, the big freighters go, it was bigger than most, with a crew and good captain well seasoned. Who am I to talk over Gordo, man? I, I mean, like, people think of that song like Stairway to Heaven or, uh, you know, uh, 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 what's the uh, Leonard Skinner one? Uh, Freebird, Freebird, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it's such a gigantic epic tale and granted it speaks to our neck of the woods right i mean it's about a ship that was lost in lake superior Mm -hmm. and it's much more of a fall early winter song but i heard it the other day in its entirety for the first time in a long time and gordon lightfoot's the wreck of the edmund fitzgerald i'm not mad at any of the epic classics right like i mean that that song is a fucking masterpiece tell me i'm wrong well my father used to play that song and sing it, so it's got that sentimental value as well. Sure. Although, although as kids, we were always like... Good. <laughs> Make it more of a seafaring chanty. I'm cool exactly with that, it. man. Yeah. Exactly. Like, now, again, I don't want to go to one of those nights where all those people are singing like 17th century uh, seafaring shanties at a bar somewhere. But, I mean... Gordo, man. Gordo, Lightfoot. A fine way to start the 240th episode of The Brian Oak Show here in the Smart Start MN Studios in South Minneapolis. Studios is really more of a, it's sort of a misnomer. It's a small room. It's about, what do you think, 12 by 12? I'd say 12 by 12. That seems about right. However, the Smart Start MN Studio has been the site for some incredible discussions, some amazing revelations, and some truly wonderful and warm moments. Bigger than the cells at Shawshank is what I like to say. Wow. I, you could probably get two of those cells in here, That's don't you think? True. Yeah, I think so. Would, should we get some bunks in here? Some old, hardcore, metal, asylum-type bunks? I just want the picture of Rita Hay- Hayworth and for you to go, oh my holy God. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Rita Hayworth. I mean, Ooh. come on. Sheesh. I'm Brian Oak, and that is Sean Bernard. How are you, Sean? I'm doing really well. Busy, but, you know, it's a good thing, right? Exactly. It is. Uh, hey, Smart Start. How are you doing, by uh, the way? I'm Great. You're good? Yeah. So you didn't just ask me to throw it away? Well, no, I asked I asked you because I'm genuine. <laughs> well, then I, I, wanted, I was going to respond with, you, how are you doing? You've been on vacation. You've been away. I haven't seen you in a minute. Oh, I see yeah, you a lot a all the time. Super sweet vacation to Florida, Hawaii. Oh, no, it was Iowa. But you, okay, go it ahead. It was great. Go, it go was ahead great. and be a smartass. You it had was a great, great time, didn't I you? I had a fantastic time, right? yes. Old friends. Yes. More fun than you expected. Yep. Worthwhile. Somehow accidentally got along with your family. Yes, it was all good. Yeah, look it was at all that. Good. I'm See? grateful. No, I can tell. Heart of gratitude. You, you have you have a little bit of a glow about you. Like, <sighs> God, I'm so High desperate blood for an That's effing vacation. You but need I, one. I've, you... got, I've got one coming up. I've good, got one good, coming good. up. We'll okay. talk more about that later. Okay. I want to mention Smart Start MN right now. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. What does that mean? Well, it means that when you have a DUI, which you should never get, it's super easy to avoid, yet somehow thousands, if not zillions, 
millions of people love to get them. Well, they don't love to get them, but they end up getting them. So Smart Start MN steps in and says, all right, you screwed up. You have effed the whatever, right? You you shit the bed is what yeah. you did in terms of life. But you need to get back in your car because you have a job, you have a family, you have responsibilities, you have places to be, but the state took your license away. What the hell are you supposed to do? Smart Start MN can install technology into your car that allows you to drive even before you've resolved everything sooner and for less money than you would expect. Smart Start MN has been on board with the Brian Oak Show all 240 episodes and they're going to make it as affordable as it already is, which is surprisingly affordable. They're going to make it even more affordable on the installation by going where? Just go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock. We are going to be joined today by a guest who has been making music for a long time at a high level, has worked with an incredible array of artists, is part of the Pines, but so, so, so much more. And I'm excited because this is our first chance to really sit down and drill down and learn more about David Huckfeld. But before we do that, we always like to throw a song in here. I got excited this morning. Sean, I'm not sure if you've been paying attention. You and I are both live music aficionados, yes. right? New shows are being announced literally oh, every day. Oh, it's crazy. It's like it's an, overwhelming. It's an avalanche right now, <laughs> yes, right? And so is. my daughter and I, who are concert buddies, we're like, well, do we go, uh, should we get, how about, how, and so I'm like, okay. And so we've kind of made our plan for a lot of the summer because my job also gets super busy in the summer. My other job, aside from being the dashing and charming and <laughs> roguishly handsome host of the Brian Oak Show podcast, um, it gets really busy. So I have to be relatively selective about the things I decide I'm going to go do. But then a former member, our former guest on this particular show, we did a Zoom. One of our earliest Zoom interviews was with Andy Falcus, a Welshman mm -hmm. from the band McCluskey. Yes. They're savage. They're hardcore. They are in your face. They are not taking prisoners. But for whatever reason, again, you don't get to pick what you love. One of my all-time favorites. Well, they recently got it back online and did a brief European tour. And they're like, yeah, but without any real money or backing or a label, there's no way we're going to be able to do a North American tour. So I just didn't think about it. And this morning on Twitter, it happened to pop up. Andy Falcus, who is McCluskey, essentially, popped up. It's like, oh, hey, here's our North American tour this December. One of my favorite live bands of all time is playing at the Turf Club. Oh, my gosh. The perfect size venue oh, to perfect. create that critical mass that is going to melt faces, break hearts, and everyone's going to leave sweaty and hot and satisfied. It's my kind of show. Here's McCluskey on The Brian Oak Show.
not everybody loves everything, right? I mean, like, we all like different things. I don't expect everyone to love that song. I loved it. I love that song and that band. And the fact that McCluskey, for the first time in, God, at least five or six years, is going to be able to afford to come back to the United States and do a somewhat brief North American tour, but one that lands this December at the Turf Club, I'm genuinely giddy. I'm kind of pumped. But I'm still, I'm a little gun shy, right? Like I had so many plans to go out and do things two years ago. And then apparently the universe said, well, not even the universe, just our sort of earthly ecosystem being, you know, fraught with coronavirus is like, fuck you. You're not going anywhere. You can, you can stay at home. What do you think about that? Uh, it's, it's weird because once you finally do go out, there's this feeling of euphoria. Like uh-huh. it's just, it's crazy. And then yet you're kind of like, am I safe? Is this going to be okay? But still it feels really fucking good to be out there seeing music and being with people i'm ready to be not irresponsible but enthusiastic in the year ahead and i've secured i've actually kind of already gone beyond my ticket budget for the year 2022 (laughs) but oh well f me i guess that's the way things work it's the brian oak show episode 240 our guest today is a minnesota singer songwriter he calls minneapolis home which both sean and i do as well and a big part of this show is It's not about being overly local, but there is a level of pride and a certain aspect that comes with being a Minneapolitan or St. Paulite or whatever. I mean, this area is different than any other area in the country, and I think that's good. I think we learn from each other. I think that we have different things we value growing up, and I think it's very evident in the music of today's guest. He is a founding member and frontman for Minnesota indie folk favorites, The Pines, and he's also long been involved with many other musicians. He's an activist. He started out as a theology student, so there there we go. I like, I mean, again, you know, whatever, we we don't get to pick what we love, right? Our brain tells us to do certain things. We try them. If we like them, we continue. If we don't, we move on to something else. David Huckfeld is our guest today. David, how are you? <clears throat> you know, I'm doing pretty good, Brian. Thank right. you very much. Well, it's good to have you, man. And here we are on the first day of April, right? April 1st. And um, it's not perfect out there. It's not 65 and sunny, but we are right by the parkway, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, 48th in Chicago is where the Smart Start MN Studios are. It's still a little gray, still a little dusty, still a little moldy. But this is a gorgeous, gorgeous part of the world to be on right now. I completely agree. I think uh, when the parkway reopened... A couple years back, I think I played their first show. Really? And I haven't been down this way too often since then because I've been locked in a small box for yeah. two years. Like an actual small box? It's smaller than you think. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't. But I mean, like, not like locked so, in a trunk, right? Like, not like locked in a steamer trunk, but a smaller room than you would like is what you're telling days, me. Certain days, yeah, yeah. Bigger, I mean, bigger than the Smart Start MN Studio? Blue sky for the first time in a few days. It is. There's, it's it's a beautiful, <laughs> I don't care, let spring be late. We didn't do anything to deserve it to be here any sooner. So we ride it out up here in Minnesota, right? So I've learned a thing, you know, and I always used to make fun of the, not make fun of, but always sort of scoff at or roll my eyes anytime someone used one of those spiritual one-liners of like a be here now kind of thing, right? Like Ram Dass. (laughs) As I've gotten older, I've learned the value of not all of those. I'm not giving my life away. I'm not giving away my worldly possessions, dressing in a robe and moving out to the woods. Although that does, now that I say it out loud, have a certain level of appeal. <laughs> I'm not doing that. But I used to make fun of those. Not again, not make fun, but just like, you know, scoff at those sorts of things. But being here now is really all we've got, right? I mean, it is. I think, you know, 
it's, it's also sometimes you want people to go away right now. Oh, yeah. Um, don't be here. Well, you know? the, for you, be here now, but for them, be somewhere else now. Somewhere else now. Yeah, I Come got Come back later, you know. <laughs> but it, it's, I mean, it is. That is the only chance we have of kind of capturing some of the magic. You played the the Lightfoot song, you know. he Gordon wrote that song in about 15 or 20 minutes while it was happening. It's almost a 15-minute oh, song, right? Exactly. About as long as it takes to capture it is as long as he needed, you know. And uh, that's... That is a practice, that's a result of the practice of being in the moment. Mm. Well, let me ask you this then. So you as a songwriter, I know that sometimes songs, you have to Frankenstein them together, right? Like they, they just, it's not quite there. And it, oh. But have you ever had that almost impossible ecclesiastical joy of a song literally falling in your lap, almost fully formed? Yeah, a couple times. I mean, you know, let's all be honest. It's like uh, there's no angels that sing. Uh, the angels are retired, I think, you know. <laughs> not, that, not that inspiration doesn't happen, but I think uh, you have to be so primed. There was a couple instances when I was on Lake Superior at Isle Royal. Mm-hmm. I had two-week artist residency by myself on a little cabin sounds romantic it was it was rustic and beautiful <laughs> and scary i do like rustic though like at night when things are creaking and it's it's as basic as possible the com- bed's not comfortable you're cold by the morning you got to kick up the stove i yeah. kind of like that rustic but not for too long two weeks sounds about right it was perfect i mean if you you know the lake is fearsome as the song uh-huh. says and to so, say the least you know i guess my point being that there was i i had a bunch of songs in process and i had enough time and room to work through them whereas i got to the point where a couple songs just kind of fell out of the sky and that's if you can live in that zone as a songwriter a lot of us can't in the modern world because it wants to slap you across the face every four seconds mm-hmm. but that's you know <laughs> and see i ask every single musician that i talk to whether it be in radio or here on the podcast about their songwriting process because it's so different for everybody. And many people experience the entire spectrum, right? Some are like, these aren't my songs. They were given to me by an alternate being. Others are like, no, no, I've had to work in the shed every day all summer to get these two songs together. It's it's such a a fascinating spectrum for me because I love music so much, but then I also kind of want to see how the sausage is made, right? I want to know where it comes from. David, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Iowa. Okay, and where'd you grow up in Iowa? Small town called Spencer, Clay yeah. County, little farm town. What's one little thing you could tell me about Spencer that nobody not from Spencer would know? They would not know that um, it's you know the they call the Sioux River goes through Spencer, Iowa, and so even in Iowa where there are very few uh, native reservations, the history of the Dakota Wars that happened here in Minnesota they spilled over into the lakes region of Iowa, and uh, and that's kind of an un you know. It's you go looking. It's just soybeans and corn. It yeah, well, really and is. there's a lot but, of that all across the Upper Midwest, yeah. right? And I know that activism and working with people uh, from the Native culture is a big part of what you do. But before we get to that, growing up for you, when's the first time David Huckfelt finds music? Find music um, on mixtapes sent to me from my uncle. Um, you know, he started out gentle. I mean, you know, alternate versions of Rocky Raccoon and stuff. Right. <laughs> right. right. But there's always mixing. I could tell he always dropped uh, songs in there that were super heavy, you know. And so, and then they'd be mixed in with uh, radio uh, pranks, you know, just these kind of uh, smorgasbords of uh, 
really entertaining, and I would keep them and play them until they broke. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, do you still have any of those tapes? Because I remember that same era, and I do the same thing. I would mix things I found on the radio with things that I had or could find, yeah. and they were precious to me. But they tape is an imperfect format, to say the least. It doesn't last forever. I got a couple of them, you know, and those songs, I think that was when I began to m- memorize songs. I have a thing where, I mean, I can learn and memorize a song really quickly. Right. And it's it can be annoying. Do you play by ear? I mean, you're trained? It's not. It's by ear. It's rudimentary to a great degree. But, you know, like I decided one afternoon to, to that I was going to play Masters of War by Dylan that mm. night. And wow. I learned it in, a, you know, a little bit. And it reminds me of the process you're talking about songwriting. You know, Hank Williams will say, if a song took more than 10 minutes to write, he'd knew it wasn't any good and he <laughs> well and for and hank he, williams that worked but that's not everyone's <laughs> that's not philosophy everybody's thing. Right, right. leonard cohen has songs that took eight nine ten years you know so um but i found that music early from my uncle and then uh you know i think in iowa you have to give yourself permission to do anything fun no one's gonna <laughs> let you do it just off the bat so i played football instead for a long time yeah but i mean so music was always a part when's the first time you picked up an instrument I picked up the guitar. My uncle gave me a guitar. A different uncle, actually. I don't know. Apparently, I have a lot of uncles. Yeah, but, great uncles. Um, well, at least yeah. two. I mean, I don't at know a lot, two. but at least two. Yeah. <laughs> There's like 30 more, but no. Okay. Um, I mean, I picked up the guitar. I was drawn to poetry first, and the guitar to me was like, a, it was just, um, there was no pushing from any direction. And so as I played it, it was almost like a dirty secret, because in my world in Iowa, it was athletes, jocks, Christianity, and boredom. I grew up in Coon Rapids, which is just about 35 minutes north of where we are right now. Yeah. I know the feel. I yeah. get it. That's the upper Midwest in, I mean, what we're talking, what, late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s? Um, and I mean, I was, uh, you know, I, I graduated in the mid 90s, the late 90s, actually. So I think. Through you the know, 90s. Yeah. yeah. As, as I look at the little needle that started to poke holes in the, the force field that is uh, Midwest <laughs> upbringing, you know. Um, it had to do with travel. It had to do with concerts. You know, it had to do with um, just strange people in strange locations. And my love for, I mean, I I traveled, I've toured now 15, 20 years, and I go off the beaten path almost by default. Well, you know? and, and, and there's a lot to be learned off the beaten path. It's not necessarily a a gateway to riches or success, but clearly that's not why you do what you do. Before we talk more about why it is you do what you do, I'd like to hear a song. I hate to go too long on the show without hearing the song. Tell me about this one that we're about to hear right here that you wrote with Dave Simonette of Trampled. Well, Dave sings on it with me. You know, part of this last record, Room Enough, Time Enough, is uh, sort of a, a reapproach of some songs from the public domain and some of the places um, where cowboy songs and Indian songs smash together. And so that's this song, Bury Me Not, is one of the oldest songs in the American songbook. Uh, we tweaked it, changed it, and did it in our, our whole uh, own way with a full band in Tucson. So. Makes no 
no difference So I've been told With a body light When life grows cold Just grant I pray One wish to me Bury me not on David Huckfelt, right there along with Dave Simonette. Uh, on the Brian Oak Show, Dave Huckfelt, your music is obviously very heartfelt for you. When it comes to playing the songs you play or writing the songs you write, do obviously playing it live and having people there, there's that biofeedback loop, right? It's everything. But do you enjoy time in the studio? Do you like to sit there and craft and get it just how you want it to be? Or is it a necessary evil to be able to get back out and be live? It's like it's probably like if uh, you know somebody on parole gets invited to a you know to a, a senior center or something. There's a little I have a little trepidation in the studio. Yeah, because what I do, you know, I guess I mean the speed at which the world is kind of crumbling apart makes it <laughs> less precious in general, right? Yeah. So in other words. Um, be here now. I rely upon, yeah, be here now, go right. away later, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I rely upon people that I trust. Uh, there's there's uh, sentiments and their, their style in the studio, but I know that what I can do 
um, for my part, is bring an element of spontaneity. My, like live performances, it's not a matter of perfection. You know, we're, we're improvising. There's never a set list. And there's a lot of uh, improvisation going on lyrically. Like, it's a, there's a story being told. So, it's sorcery. There, I mean, there, it's not an exact science, right? I yeah. mean, there are live nights where, that's eh, pretty good. And then there are live nights where you and everyone there feels they were part of something beyond what they are. And I'm not going to, I don't want to make enemies, but about 98% of singer-songwriter music is can be excruciatingly boring. And I include myself and, in, you know, like there's a... I have worked at Cities 97 for more than 20 years. You're telling me about singer-songwriters right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I get what you're yeah. saying. Like, I, And I also think, though, that they believe it, but it's a different animal, right? I mean, you're you're heading in a different direction. You're looking, when you pick up the guitar, when you sit down in front of people, there's something deeper that you are trying to conjure. That's why I call it sorcery. It's a hope. You know, the, the sincerity doesn't get you into any of the buildings that you want to go. Right. The guy with the guitar, uh, you know, show me why I should care. And so <laughs> in, and when we talk about in this world, you know, we've been celebrating the life of John Prine for now for a couple of years mm. since we lost him. But when you try to walk on that tight wire, you know, and realize just uh, what that sorcery, you know, masters are masters and. And I guess don't waste anybody's time. Yeah, well, and I, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, and you bring up John Prine, you know, in my household when I was very young, um, I was lucky. Like, my dad liked a lot of the classic rock stuff, and that was fine. But he loved the Texas singer-songwriters and a few that were adjacent to them. So I was, you know, privy to Jerry Jeff Walker yeah. early on, right, and, and several others. But my dad had a special place for John Prine, and that was on heavy rotation from the time that I can remember listening to music in my house throughout my entire time living at home and there are when you talk about masters right i mean there are a tremendous number of talented people out there whether it be their playing skills whether it be their writing skills whether it be their ability to beguile a crowd but man you want to talk about somebody who was able to capture basically the entire sphere of human emotion in any one song you know i mean like he could break your heart but still make you laugh while the tears are pouring down your face in a single song absolutely and the thing about it is is like you know if for songwriters i mean there should be a version of kendrick lamar you know <laughs> sit down be humble because uh I, i'm speaking off of just like there's yeah sorcery would be nice but you know how much hours you got a clock before you get anywhere near being able to conjure something live. And so... Like you said, masters. Yeah. So in the studio, I think what it is, is like there's template, and then what I do, there's 30 guests on the record room enough, time enough. Really? There's native artists, cowboys, there's some poets from Tucson, there's weirdos, a guy who was in jail 14 years. Like, I... Someday I'll make a record by myself in a room, but not... Not now. Like well, I it, like bringing people together. It's fun. Look, Sean and I could sit here and do this by ourselves every day, <laughs> yeah. but that would be dull as hell. We dull feel the same hell. way. It's much more interesting to have people to talk to that have stories to tell, that have passion, that have some of that magic that they're willing to share at least a little shred off of. I'd like to ask you about your interaction with much of the Native American community. Obviously, we live in an area that is extremely rich with that history, but so is the entire United States. 
States, right? And many people have tried to tap into that mystery, that culture, that mythology. Very, very few have actually bothered to work with and get to know and do what they can. You have worked with the legendary John Trudell. May he rest in peace or power or however it's best said. But you've also worked with tons of other Native artists, including Winona LaDuke, who I've had the pleasure of meeting before in my time working in nonprofits. And what drew you or what appeals to you? What made it feel important to you to be a part of that and to do what you could to highlight Native American legacy? You know, it's another one of those uh, situations where your sincerity um, and your intention doesn't really get you in the door. You know, there's like uh, the world's kind of dripping with uh, with good white intentions. Mm. and to say the least. You know? Yeah, yeah I do know. It's heavy. I do. It's a fifth coat of paint on a, you uh-huh. know, on a shitty fence. So, um, <laughs> like, Somebody write that down. That's a lyric right, right there. <laughs> Somebody write that down. <laughs> you know, for me, I'll tell you the most direct thing is I met John Trudell right as I was bombing out of theology school. And I took that shit on the chin. You know, like I, I have, maybe it was a literal upbringing. Maybe it was just... <laughs> The search for something more meaningful to be plugged into. Well, we want to be part of something bigger, don't we all? And whether that comes in the form of some people turn to drugs, some people turn to religion, some people turn to relationships, whatever it might be. Can I ask what your religious train of thought was going to be when you went into theology? I was such a weird kid, Brian. I was studying, I was in high school reading like Kierkegaard and Nietzsche, Mm -hmm. and I was so philosophical minded, but I had... Hildegard uh, von Bingen? Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. I got you, You I got you, man. Yeah. So someone can walk into that situation and drop a little dropper full of, hey, here's a couple answers for you. There's never a lack of answers. Mm -hmm. And the answers didn't pan out whatsoever. Right. And so there was this void that I was entered in, and then uh, I just, you know, I was visiting a friend on Pine Ridge and it, about six in the morning, um, he put the headphones on my ears when I was laying in bed and it was Trudell. And I was like, what the hell is this? Right. And then we're having breakfast about two hours later and someone walks in and was like, did you know John Trudell's in town today? He's speaking at a Peltier rally mm-hmm. and the public is welcome. That seems Plus, way too coincidental, way too. right? Like yeah. the lattice of coincidence, Carl Young would say. It is. It happened quickly. I went and saw John speak for an hour and a half, and I lost, you know, 140 pounds of bullshit on yeah. my, my psyche, <laughs> you know? It's like Weight Watchers for your spirit, man. Oh, that's one of the best things I've heard in a long time. It took 12 years, 12, 12 years of processing and, you know, the... Uh, the fates aligning to bring him to town. But I guess the, the reason I tell the story is because my connection, I mean, uh, John's portrayal of indigenous spirituality and human responsibility kind of saved my life, saved my ass because I was a mess at that time. And uh, it provided a whole nother framework for the way we size up the world. So I just said, whatever it's going to take, I resonate with, the spiritual logic going on here. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty. And I also know how to listen instead of talk. So, which is a skill that I have not yet mastered, <laughs> but I learned, I, I've understood that it's very important for some time. Unfortunately, my job requires me to talk a lot. You seem like a good listener, Brian. I, but I, here's why I like to listen is I still love to talk. Don't get me wrong, but I find, and I've got 30 years of experience to back this up. 
the best conversations you will ever have. I can write down 15 pages of notes before David Huckfeld comes in here and re- re- ask my one question, let you finish it without listening, and then ask my ne- next question. After 30 years of interviewing people and getting to know people better, the very best, most insightful, most illuminating, or frankly, just the funniest conversations I've ever had are the ones where you set your notes aside. And as soon as you start to pay attention, right, it doesn't mean you don't get your turn to talk. Pay attention. That person's going to tell you something that's either going to put you in a new direction tell you something you didn't know before or like you just did with myself and Sean make us laugh out loud mm-hmm. when you drop a killer ass metaphor like five coats of paint on a <laughs> shitty old fence did you have this moment and this is no knock on Spencer Iowa my ancestors are from Iowa my wife's from Iowa yeah but did you have this sense and it could have been anywhere not just Iowa but did you have this sense along the way that you're not supposed to be there like what you know, and, and again, yeah. it's maybe it's great for some people, but did you have that like inner sense at some point? Like, I I can't be here anymore. I shouldn't be here anymore. Not in the not in the I not I couldn't be there with the with that present maturity. You know, like I yeah. couldn't be there. I didn't wasn't strong enough immune system to resist Iowa's uh, inane kind of constantly in neutral. I mean, yes. Iowa Iowa drives up to a stop sign. And we'll wait there until it says go, and it takes all day. <laughs> I, I was, I'm so mad at Iowa because I love Iowa. You know, I love yeah. the music that comes out of Iowa, the songwriters, you know, things like that. So I lived, you know, when I left, I left, I, I left hard. I went and lived in Chicago, mm. Missoula, Montana, Tucson, Arizona, wow. Denver, Los Angeles. It was just like, what made you make it back next? up here? Somebody said there was a. I mean, well, I met the other guy in the Pines, yeah. you know, and yeah. we said, and he's like, well, you know, if we go to Minneapolis, we could make a Red House record, the the folk label, you yeah. know, and at that uh, time. Not just the folk label, like one of the most legendary Midwest record labels of all time. Yeah, with a beautiful, you know, origin story of how it came about. So mm-hmm. that, that brought us up here and then staying was the realization that there are literally hundreds of. Just badass little, I would call them folk venues. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about barns and general stores. Yes. And, you know, I mean, you're just going to skip some cities. There's not a lot of cities. But when you want to have uh, the music that we make and that I make had, does have an intimacy to it. You know, I love putting this five or seven piece band together like we did at the Waters Life Festival and mm. playing that kind of show. But I also, you know... 150 people in an old barn. Oh, yeah. There's something. If you can do that well, you're, mm. you're doing something. Well, because then at some point you went out to have a, I mean, I would go out to have a cigarette by the, the bonfire, I and I like smelling like bonfires. Like, that's one of my favorite yeah. things in the world. Seeing live music, smelling like a bonfire, going home, feeling like I hung out with some cool people, and I had a thing. It yeah. went down. Yeah, a thing goes down, especially, you know, that premium post-pandemic or in-pandemic, whatever it is, is like, there's some pretty intimate interactions that happen in that off off beaten path world you well know? i would like to ask you about more of the upcoming potential intimate moments people may experience with you coming up just ahead but we've gone too long without a song tell me about king world king world is my uh my kiss goodbye to a a, a sort of a white christian worldview that ends up destroying the planet everything i can pack in line by line it's like a manifesto so Thank you. 
We say. 
David Huckfeld, King Whirl, on the Brian Oak Show, episode 241. David, before I check in with Sean real quick here about his work at Adina Realty, I want to ask you one question. You know, you talk about moving into a wider world, right, and leaving behind the things. Not necessarily leaving behind, but throwing off the trappings of the white crate, you know, uh, safe Christian world that we left behind, right? And moving into something bigger, learning new worldviews, learning more about people. I think it happens to a lot of us as we grow up. But our world changes, our brain changes, who we are literally changes by the things we believe and we learn, we expand, we change. Is there ever a sense of regret or loss about the simplicity of the earlier times? Or do you just not look back over your shoulder and keep figuring out what the next day might hold? I think there's loss. My my friend Keith Sacola, he described it in a certain way where he said the sadness in life, like uh, the sadness, the loss always stays just about the same size. Mm-hmm. And your life grows around it, kind of like a tree around a you know pole or something. But I believe that you carry that. There is a way, you know, some kind of Taoist master could tell you how to live mm. with that simplicity while you navigate utter change. We just stumble around. So there is that <laughs> sense of like, there's a reason why Dolly Parton is the biggest, uh, one of the biggest art uh, artists, most popular artists in Zaire, because in these African countries where they move from the country to the city you long for the past you know right, this, right. you long for the simplicity of the child you know i didn't know that about dolly parton she's huge, huge in zaire soccer fields soccer stadiums like every one of the biggest uh draws artists in all wherever they have she's brilliant here on this first day of april that's one of the greatest things i've heard in 2022 because i'm an unrepentant fan yes, yes. every time she turns around she either donates a million books or declines a Grammy nomination because or a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nomination because she's like, let's let some of the other kids have a chance. Like, I've had a good life. I mean, yeah. but then also happens to be an absolutely one of the greatest artists of Western music in the last 70 years. Yeah. I mean, just she's she's perfect. And so to know that she Dolly Parton's big in Zaire is the best it's thing I've learned today. Several African countries. And yes, she did. She wrote nine to five on her fingernails and uh that just reminds me quickly. I do want to do a Brian Oak exclusive. Uh-oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a a vow as I listen to these songs. When I get um, your doppelganger J T Bates, and, uh, and you know the one time he and I met face to face, it was weird. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. be honest. I'm sure, because yeah. I mean we still we still look a lot alike, right? Yeah, yeah. it's a great freaky. Deal. A it's great freaky. Deal. And he's a, yeah. for people who don't know who J T Bates is, local drummer extraordinaire, the go to drummer for a great number, a really ridiculous number of Minnesota and area musicians, national musicians. But someone came up to me a few years ago at the Midwest Music Fest in Winona and was like. JT and this guy was a little loaded. Yeah, not torqued, Most but of he JT's was JT's friends are. Loaded, yeah. But he was he was a little loaded, and he came up, and I'm like, no, and he just started launching into a story. We were 15 minutes into our conversation. I call it a conversation. I hadn't said anything before. I finally had a breath of window to open up and be like, dude, I hate to break it to you, I'm not JT Bates. And he laughed. He laughed. He's like, no, no, no. And then I'm like, no, no. Look at my face. I'm not JT Bates, man. <laughs> and he, I mean, and, and but it's weird. No one had ever said that before. But since that time, dozens of people. So I'm sorry to interrupt, but for people who don't know the weird doppelgangery between me and JT Bates, there we are. But you were saying. It's a real thing. And then, uh, you know, I'm passing on greetings from Jeremy Yovasaker. Oh, um, we love him very much. He's been on the show. And we've maybe had 30 people on the show that he's worked with. I mean, Jeremy's about as good as it gets, man. Well, please give him our best back. I will. I'm saying when I get these guys in the studio uh, for this third record, 
I promise. I'm vowing on the Brian Oak show that we will do a song that is McCluskey worthy. Two minutes, 26 seconds instead of 450. I'm going to make a bunch of short songs. Well, that's that, but, that, but that's up to you. I don't want you to do that for me. <laughs> Not for I you. want <laughs> I want you to express yourself in the way you you feel best. Like those songs that we've listened to, 4 minutes and 45 seconds doesn't feel overly long. We're exploring a space, aren't we? To you, it feels real long to me, but okay, you know. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Before yeah. we continue with David Hockfeld and find out what the immediate future holds, I want to know what the immediate future holds for my friend Sean Bernard. Sean is a realtor for the 50th and France location of Edina Realty, and I can't get him on the phone anymore, so apparently things are going very well, Sean. Speaking of on the phone, Here we go. I want you to read this. All right. Starting with top yep start from there my name is kelly and i want to buy a house do you have any good advice to which you replied please send me an email with what you're looking for and put your email address on there before that i want to ask you how many years you've been working in the real estate real estate industry i need a professional real estate agent i'm in my fourth year with 30 years of marketing and sales experience she replied sounds good i think you're the real estate agent i'm looking for you should be able to help me find a house i'm happy with what is this number? Is this your number in WhatsApp? No. What app are you? What app are you using? Just use my email. Sorry, I refuse these moves until I find a satisfactory house. Okay. Good luck. I wish you an early death. This is not real. It is real. So, so be, because you didn't, we were willing to go on WhatsApp. It's yeah. This so, person, Kelly, wished you an no, early death. It's because, a scam. Yeah, it's a scam. So we we get these scam wow. things from time to time. But where, usually scammers just check out because they're going to go attack the next <laughs> the next mark, right? Yes. Wishing you an early death seems like a really committed scam. <laughs> just to go from hey, let's uh, I want to find you on WhatsApp uh, to I wish you an early death. I can't even imagine why a scammer would bother with that at the end. It's just crazy. That but, you know what that is? That's a new scammer. That's someone that doesn't have years of scamming experience under their belt. You yeah. don't wait waste valuable thumb energy texting someone I wish you an early death even when it feels good. How are things in the real world? Uh they're crazy, a little crazy busy, mostly good, but sometimes there's crazy that people are trying to get houses that they can't get. I just had a situation that happens some from time to time where somebody tried to sell a piece of land that they didn't own. That was interesting. Um, crazy stuff like that happens. I am still doing what I did last year, and I'm going to continue to do a portion of every buy and sell goes to a local artist or musician. The latest was Gully Boys. I got a hold of them. They're actually touring the southwest of the United States. They're in San Diego, headed to Phoenix. I just got a hold of them as well, and we're going to have them back on the show when they get back from this tour. I can't wait. And I remember when I saw David, which was at the Warming House, gosh, like two years and a few months ago. Oh, yeah. I I saw you at the Warming House. So I'm on the board of directors of the Warming House that I'm praying will come back someday. We're doing a board meeting. We're going to do a board meeting in the next week or two but I'm hoping it comes back. If you know that somebody who's looking to buy or sell, 612-859-2594. Before we wrap things up for sure, um, you know, obviously this is a conversation that I would like to continue having. I love talking to artists. We didn't even really tackle COVID, but that's, it feels like it's all we've been talking about for the last two years. I'm sure that it's changed the nature of what you do, screwed everything up, messed everything around. But here we are. Are you hopeful about the fact that it seems like, again, fingers crossed, and if things go in the right direction, I'm trying to see the glasses half full here. Are you excited about what the next year might look like for you in terms of live performance? I am. Yeah, absolutely. We've done, we've, we found ways to make it work. We played so many shows outdoors mm-hmm. last year and we really, embraced um 
I mean, house shows, you know, they can go either way. Right. They can be, yes. they can be good or they can be, you know, someone's 13 year old. You're supposed to have pizza with him and he won't come out of his bedroom or something. (laughs) Cowboy Dan isn't coming. Exactly. As long as they're writing that check. As long as they're I want my two dollars. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Jeremy and I kind of threaded the needle and played a lot of shows and had very few cancellations. And the the gratitude factor, you know, like you said, is something kind of euphoric. Yeah. Um it is. And you also realize that it's a it's a quite a privilege to play music for people mm-hmm. it really is so i think the next year is going to be i have a bunch of things i'm going to be announcing for summertime festivals a couple benefits well let's talk about that then if people want to know more about dave huckfeld or the pines or whatever it is you might be involved with what's ground zero where do people find you and your information my website david huckfeld music.com david huckfeld music.com yeah, and if you sign up you know for a newsletter i'm i'm putting a lot more into those newsletters i mean uh unreleased tracks unreleased videos just things that are away from facebook and really? instagram you know? like a couple extra juicy things for the people who yeah. are on the inside track yeah just well, that know. seems reasonable though right like that's the way it should be if this person cares enough to follow you give them a little nugget here and there there's a lot of farmers you know in rural wisconsin sign up for that thing and i sit out there on the merch table and you know i get some 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 older ladies that you know i mean go on you know what i'm saying i know exactly what you're saying yeah and i'm not against any of that so uh david huckfeltmusic.com um do you what what's the most i mean like so again today happens to be friday april 1st that we're recording this but it also is a band camp friday you know yeah. where they it, is that the best way for people to, I mean, if they go to your website and buy your stuff, I'm sure you make money. But for the average person, the the person, the curious explorer, right? Yeah. Is Bandcamp still a good place for them to go and find your music and buy your it's music? It's the best. It's uh, it's the Bernie Sanders man of yeah, uh, right on. you know of the music the, the the music purchasing world. So that I mean, independent artists like myself, a lot of times, if you go on the website buy a vinyl or something, uh, we you know we get the the lion's share of that. But Bandcamp across the board is just if you like what you hear and you don't hate humanity, then buy it from Bandcamp. You know what? That is maybe in the first uh, 240 episodes of this show we've done, the first time anybody's name-checked Bernie. And so, Sean, uh, on-air production meeting, more socialists on the show, please. All right, <laughs> I like Because I, dig- I got nothing against people making money and, and making their way in the world, but artists should not be forced to give away their shit. And no. even artists should be able to afford to live wherever they'd like to live, eat meals on the regular, have a car if they want one, just be able to get by, right? I'm not talk I'm not advocating a luxurious yacht oriented lifestyle but musicians should be paid artists of every stripe should be paid and so I get I get mad when people steal music I've never ever downloaded a track illegally never taken it I've gone to YouTube to like check something out and then if I love it I buy it as I just pre-ordered the new full-length album from Horse Girl that we're going to talk about at length on the next show I am fucking in love right now but right now we're talking about David Huckfeld David when's the next time <laughs> when's the next time people could maybe come and see you if they wanted to uh this show this weekend at the lakewood chapel is sold out but i'm uh i'm gonna be um announcing some summertime shows in june that are going to be at the ice house a residency and you've played right. you played a bunch of shows at the lakewood cemetery at, at the chapel there yeah I think we did the first one they ever did and then we canceled two years and so this will be the first one of the season i mean it's i didn't know that was in there in other words how, how gorgeous it was so that's how i originally reached out to you when i saw that yeah. you were doing that and um 
I am someone who like, I'm not like a mopey, deep goth Morrissey guy, but the number of times I've driven myself to Lakewood and just wandered among the mm-hmm. stones and the mausoleums there, especially that pyramid shaped one that has the last name Wood on it. Okay. Oh man, I mean, for, for more than 30 years, I've made that a place where if I'm having a day and whether it's, you know, a sad day or whatever day, just need to get away from everybody and take two hours to myself, that's where I go wander. And so no, I'd never checked out the chapel, but the last time I was there, based on recommendations, I just stuck my head inside it's a gorgeous space stunning yeah and if you think you know death is not the end whatever that means to you right. it's like there's yep. every reason in the world to play <clears throat> some songs in a in a beautiful chapel where they have funerals. well and even if you do believe that death is the end it's still yeah. an incredible memorial and tribute and just this unbelievable place i'm a big fan we got to wrap things up unfortunately david we're gonna hear one more of your songs before we go but before we say our final goodbye i do need to thank uh smart start mn uh, they do a good job, and they've been with us for a long time. Sean, you do a pretty good job, too. Hey, thanks, Brian. You, too. <laughs> for an Iowan, the guy's great. <laughs> That's where my ancestors are from. <laughs> what do you mean ancestors? Iowa has only been around for a couple hundred years. My my ancestors settled the land in Iowa, uh, right, uh, you know where Urbana is, mm-hmm. just east of Urbana in 1850. Total settler talk right there. That yeah. is not appropriate right now. <laughs> more socialists. Not yeah, exactly. exactly. More socialists. More socialists yeah. on the show. It's not like the Native Americans wanted that land anyway. Anyway, <laughs> let's go ahead and wrap things up. I want to thank the good people at Audio Equip who provide us with all of our incredible equipment in the room. Everyone who's ever supported us on Patreon, listened, shared, amplified in any regard. Thank you. We do do and we do enjoy doing this show, and um, we couldn't do it without you and without the incredible guests we have, like David Huckfeld. David Huckfeld Music. Dot com. Pay attention because it's going to be an exciting year for you and music in general. They're, they're announcing shows literally every goddamn day, David. Yeah, it does. It, it get overwhelming, but you can be sure at this time, if you buy a ticket, leave your house, turn off your TV and go out. Oh, I guarantee you the artists, uh, everyone, we're just really grateful. You know, it's not lost. Nobody I know is assuming the, the, the size of their audience these days. They're just grateful for anybody that comes out. Well, and it's better when you get people to come out because for those of us who can't create music, but we love music, that loop, man, like you're performing, we're appreciating, it amplifies all of us, right? And we all achieve a higher vibrational state without sounding like too much of a new age weirdo, but I believe we achieve a higher vibrational state than we otherwise would sitting at home binge-watching Ozark, which I understand is a great show, but I'd much rather come out and see you live. I appreciate that, man. I feel the same way. (laughs) I'll be out there myself. Ozark can stay the hell at home. Yes. (laughs) Too much death. death. It is really dark. I tried to watch it and I like the players in it, but man is that damn shit dark. Let's talk about the opposite of dark. Let's talk about a story or a song, maybe both, called Book of Life. As we wrap up Oak Show, episode 240, David, will you please describe this song to us? And thank you very much for coming by. It's a true pleasure talking to you. I've always enjoyed it when a couple times I got a chance, so this is great. Thank you for having me. Glad um, to have you. Uh, you should have Keith Sakola someday. Keith is from uh, up north, uh, Anishinaabe, from Net Lake, and uh, he wrote this song the day his, his son left uh, home for college, right? And so mm. the Book of Life, like... Um, the title I didn't really grab me. I was like, "Well, the book of life. What's that?" <laughs> you know. And but as it goes through these forty nine questions, um, just in waves, they're so beautiful. And so the crown jewel for me, Quilt Man, is a uh, um, lives out in Warm Springs Nation in Oregon. And <laughs> Jackson Brown said he called him the greatest singer in the country. And I totally agree. He's seventy two year old activist and 
native singer. So he went in. Somebody gave him a ride to Portland so he could record <laughs> on this track. So that's the Book of Life, with, uh, written by Kisakola, featuring Quiltman. Answers in 